Let's Connect podcast series is brought to you by Talent Talks and Life Online. Welcome. I'm Karen Cole, Editor-in-Chief of Talent Talks and Life Online. Welcome, I'm Karen Cole from Life Online and Talent Talks and joining me today I have Natalie and Lisa from Own Your Health Collective. Now Own Your Health Collective is such an interesting endeavor in the holistic well-being space and I'd love the two of you just to tell our listeners a little bit more about what the work is that you do. Great, thanks Karen, we're excited to be here. So um, Lisa and I are both coaches in the health and wellbeing space. Lisa's got a focus around um, nutrition and mine's around uh, mindset and overall wellbeing. And essentially we are um, whole health one-stop shop. So we focus on supporting individuals and workplaces as well around whole health, looking at their physical, mental, emotional and spiritual health. And we offer strategies and tips on how to look after your whole self for your best life. Tell me, because we met a little while ago and I just found, you know, the the collaboration that the two of you have have started just to be so interesting and particularly because you seem to focus and niche in one particular area of, of women's health in particular. Yes, we do. So, um, and that's really been an organic transition, actually, that we really noticed a gap in the market around gender specific wellbeing. And that morphed into supporting women around menstrual health, but also quite uh, recently around menopausal health as well, and really teaching women about what menopause is or perimenopause and postmenopause, the symptoms and again, strategies around how they can support their whole health whilst they're transitioning through menopause. And I suppose this is also what's given rise to, you know, that your latest article that's just been published through Life Online, this concept of a holistic woman. And I'm really excited to be exploring that with you today. In your article, uh, you mentioned there's five ways to be a holistic woman, but I'd like to just pause for a second just to understand your the term and what is meant when you refer to the holistic woman. What is that concept? What are you trying to bring across? Um, holistic health and well-being, it's not a new term, and for a lot of people, they will definitely know that word holistic. But we coined the term holistic woman, and that's holistic with a W, to really hone in on the idea of true whole health. And what underpins this concept is our very own five pillar framework, which is a circle representation of the whole person. So from the self, the physical, the mental, emotional and spiritual health. And through our own experiences of health and wellbeing challenges of trying things, failing, learning, growing and picking ourselves up again, we've actually come to appreciate that we can support our health with a whole lens on. That's because when we know that a person is healthy in their physical, mental and emotional and spiritual self, they actually have the opportunity uh, to live their greatest life. And so really holistic women is an idea of whole health that we want women to fall in love with unapologetically. So what are the ways that women can really nurture their holistic selves? 
you know, as we mentioned, we, we really want women to think of themselves as the gateway to thriving health and well-being. And essentially, you know, we are in control of what our whole health and well-being looks like. And we really encourage women to think about a goal or desire that they have and then look at this idea them being the the person or the conduit that binds this goal or this this desire and so in order to nurture your holistic self we purposely created that five pillar framework which lisa touched on and that's what we support women in understanding that when we can look at our whole self from each of those five pillars then we can work towards those health goals the well-being the career goals um, and really the life goals so I can break them down for you quickly if you like. Yes, please. So when we look at the self, so the self is connecting to yourself and defining what your best self looks and feels like. And lucky for us women, and we spoke about that in our article, that we have an added power that through our biological monthly cycle, we have the opportunity to be enlightened with you know, reconnecting with ourselves, our intentions and our health. And that's something that, you know, we feel that um, not enough women are actually doing. They're not connecting to themselves and understanding what it is that they want and what their goals and, and their life and health aspirations are. Then we move into the physical pillar and that is really highlighting that, you know, there's a great correlation between physical health and our energy and our vitality. And, you know, on a surface level, idea or lens we know what physical health is we know that it's about movement it's eating well and it's sleeping but we don't ever look at physical health in conjunction with other parts of us and so we want people to look at physical health with the idea that through movement nutrition good rest and sleep that you can feel more energized focused and confident in pursuing um, your best life and and achieving that level of health and well-being mental health so we um, talk about mental health as being all about the mind and the greatest lesson we can teach others is that we all have mental health and I think that's a misconception out there that you know we don't have to look at our mental health until we have a mental health issue but we actually have to nurture our mental health and it's really important that we tap into our mind's ability and the way we do that is through exercising the mind so through learning through knowledge and really connecting that with the rest of our body as you probably are aware Karen you know our brain is hardwired to be a lifelong learner so it craves that learning it craves that knowledge and you know we think that that's a key element when it comes to whole health and well-being and emotional is you know our relationships and again we have a biological need to belong you know we want to have a tribe around us or a group of people or family or friends and it's really important that we nurture those relationships and we nurture them with mindful um, meaningful connection and so through emotional health you know you can be inspired to rise up to your greatest version and, and build those meaningful relationships that support your health as well as those around you and then finally spiritual health and again we feel you know spiritual health doesn't get enough airplay but essentially your spiritual health comes back to you. So your values, your purpose, your passions, connecting with your intuition and knowing, you know, how to and when to follow your gut and those gut instincts. 
And we think it's really important that when you align yourself with your values, you make easier choices to how you want to live and show up. And you definitely feel more confident, energized and productive because you can be sure in yourself that you are living life as you you want to be. So that's essentially, you know, a very um, brief summary of our five pillars. But we, you know, strongly believe and advocate that that's the gateway to whole health. What was running through my mind while you were discussing that, those pillars are surely not unique to women in any way? No, definitely not. No. And they, you know, they're from an individual perspective, male or female. And, you know, it's it's about humanising the person and looking at that whole human. I guess where that supports women greatly is that we have that monthly biological cycle each month that, you know, can support us even more so through each of when we're looking at each of those five pillars. So how would you st- recommend that people start the nurturing process? Well, Kerry, good question. Um, We're all about supporting people around changing behaviours and building routines. And we firmly believe this can't be done with a big bang goal and then expecting all of the pieces to form and come together. I think that sort of sets people up for disaster, really, if if we're looking at it that way. Mm. Rather, we think that it's got to be an incremental process where you work on creating the behaviours and habits you need to make this a lifelong sustainable change. So Natalie and I are definitely not into that flick and, you know, that flick approach, I've done this, I'll move on to the next thing because it doesn't it doesn't stick for that lifelong sustainable change. So the number one thing we get clients to do is to connect with what it is they want and why it is that they want it. So the how um, doesn't come into play here. We simply ask them to connect emotionally with who it is that they want to be. Then with our framework, we suggest that they look at the entire five pillars that Natalie just outlined and decide which area of themselves that they're possibly not nurturing and pick one and then go through the goal setting process by creating uh, goals that create new habits within that pillar. So they may be, you know, ticking goals, uh, goalposts for some of them, but not for all of them. So for example, for you going to the gym, you pick your days the times you're going to go, the duration of how long you're going to be there, and then you work towards that, breaking it down to the smaller things so it becomes really manageable and doable. So if you openly say, I'm going to go to the gym, then you're not really committing to yourself with that goal. Rather than breaking it down, as I've just said, it's a lot more achievable. And what are some of the recommendations? I know you mentioned that perhaps spiritual is is something we kind of leave on the back burner in many instances, but what are some of the ways that we could nurture a better spiritual connection? Um, 100% I talk to a lot of people about their core values and I think this is really the missing link for a lot of us that we don't really know or live by our core values. So when we understand what they are and if I can define what they are, they're our heart's deepest desires for the way we want to live life. So such examples could be wealth, health, excitement, growth, connection, when we can identify and know, say, three or five, three to five core values, that then helps us to make better decisions. So we're saying yes to things that we want to say yes to and, you know, perhaps not doing things because we feel we should be doing those things. So definitely core values are a really important element of spiritual health. 
I think a lot of people don't realize, you know, when when you're saying yes to something, you're actually saying no to mm. something that you might have, you know, you might value more or might get more enjoyment out of. And we often do overcommit and not we don't use our values to guide some of the commitments that we make. And that often leads to a lot of resentment. That's spot on, Karen. It is so true. And it's one of my favourite things to say, actually. Yep. Yeah. What yep. you're saying yes to, you know, look at what you're saying no to. Absolutely. And I think when we're trying to prioritise, you know, nurturing and particularly a woman and, and you know, I know in this day and age to be so gender gender typical is, is not the done thing. But, you know, certainly my experience, women still carry a lot of kind of the emotional or cognitive load. We kind of, we automatically want to do things for others and we tend to put our, our needs a little bit, you know, on the back burner a lot of times. And that's often a dangerous place to be in. Perhaps it's not gender specific, perhaps it's just personality specific in terms of being more of a, a giver or wanting to do more for others. It's so true, to, um, especially coming out the back of the school holidays, isn't it? You tend to sort of put everyone else in front of yourself and those two weeks you give yourself no self-care. <laughs> Absolutely. I was actually just saying today my house is so so lovely and quiet this morning. I have time to think. In that case, you know, understanding your core values and, you know, learning how to connect with yourself or what is going to give you pleasure is quite an, an important uh, self-awareness step in understanding how to go in and really evaluate yourself holistically in terms of where you're not getting enough or where you're comfortable with, with the amount that you've got in a particular area. Definitely is, yes. Is this kind of a journey that somebody would do alongside a coach or is it something that one can really work through on your own? What would you recommend? As definitely as coaches, we would recommend having someone. The reason I, I can't speak for Lisa, but you know, the reason I went into coaching and, and studied it was because I'd used a coach myself and I loved that whole idea of having someone there that, you know, we can work along with who basically guides us and supports us. So they're not telling us what to do, but rather they become our accountability. You know, mm. I look back at you know growing up through childhood and perhaps you know early adulthood you know we've always had teachers we've had mentors we've had sports coaches and then you know you sort of reach late 20s 30s and you know you're in that big bad world by yourself and mm -hmm. you haven't really got someone that can guide you someone that can give you that helicopter view or different perspective so look we might be a bit biased hey Lise but you know definitely I think yeah. there's you know, co using a coach, if you really want to live and have that sustainable health and, and long-term achievement of goals, I think, yeah, a coach goes a long way. Yeah, and I think also to add to that, there's a lot of messages out there, Karen, and I think because women get so busy with what they're doing and um, wanting to achieve, sometimes they get to a point where they really don't know which way to look or which way to go. So a coach can definitely give them accountability but also some direction and hold their hand to start with. So it gives them a bit more confidence to move forward with that goal that they want to achieve as well. And I think a lot of women just don't know where to start. And once they get going, it gives them that framework, um, you know, those incremental things that we spoke about earlier to get where it is that they want to be going. This concept of holistic women, does this is something that we need to reevaluate? I'm sure it must change. I mean, what it means to be a holistic woman in your in your twenties or thirties compared to when you're, you know, entering or, or post menopause. Mm. What are some of the differences that you see in the way that women typically tend to want to nurture themselves or want to get in touch with those parts of themselves? I think there's not enough um 
my take on it is there's not enough information out there currently or education around those different phases of life that women experience. So how they feel in their 40s and 50s and beyond is definitely going to be different um, to how they feel in, you know, coming into their menstruation years, um, into their 20s. So, yeah, there's there's definitely not an inf- a lot of information out there. And I think that uh, women really haven't been educated to expect that they're going to feel differently, not in a bad way, but just be aware that they're going to feel differently through their life. So, I don't think there is much that prepares us, you know, beyond strict medical kind of uh, research on, on menopause. Yeah. There's not much that explores the, the almost emotional side of that. I'm not sure. I know this is an area you, you know, research quite extensively, but I certainly, there's, there's not much from from what I can see in mainstream? No, there's not. And the thing is that we we run a few different programs as well. Um, We have a female advantage program that really has, uh, to the women that we've presented to, there's been a lot of ahas in relation to really understanding the phases that they go through in each of their 28-day cycles each month and then how that sort of um, gravitates to perimenopause and menopause and beyond. Um, and women do feel differently through those different stages. And that's one of our big education points that we do at Only Health Collective. I think that sounds really, really interesting. And we are really looking forward to the upcoming webinar. And I think a lot of women will be jumping on and maybe have some of their own questions that they can pose to you. And certainly for me, one of the one of the key topics that we should explore further is this whole you know, not only the feminine advantage and our 28-day cycles, but what happens post that. And I think there's a still a lot to learn and possibly mm-hmm. some of the best places to learn is from each other. And, and through dialogue and conversation, there certainly isn't enough of that at the moment. But one last question, we're really coming to the end of uh, today's session, but you know, in your opinion and from the work that you've done uh, across numerous uh, women and, and female groups, et cetera, what do you think really holds women back from nurturing their holistic selves? Really? Where do we start? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we've touched on a few of those in our conversation, but Look, in all honesty, there are some common traits amongst all of us women. Um, And I say all of us because it doesn't matter how experienced you are um, or what your profession is. We are not immune to these things at different times. And I think it's really important to understand that we're, we're all human. Um, But really, if I can highlight three key that just are so common, guilt, you know, and we touched on guilt, pursuing our own personal goals or our career goals, that translates into guilt around being away from the family. And, you know, we've spoken to so many women that constantly just feel like they're being selfish if they do something for themselves. And that's just even going out for a walk or, you know, going to the gym or doing a yoga class. So guilt's definitely one. Fear of failing is another one. And I might just put there in inverted commas and fear of succeeding as well. Again, these are conversations I've had with women that they don't want to look like they've tried something and they've failed. But at the same time, they don't want to be perceived as different because they've succeeded as well. Probably the biggest one is that inner critic, the voices in our heads telling us that we can't do those things, you know, and it, it's constantly telling us that we're not smart enough, we're not fit enough, not experienced enough, um, literally everything enough. And again, it's it's the way our brain is hardwired to protect us. If all of a sudden we're doing something that's outside of our comfort zone, well, our brain starts to, I guess, flood us with messages that it's, you know, are you sure this is what you want? You know, you've never done this before. So definitely that inner critic. And just going back to what Lisa said around our process 
for starting, this is specifically why we get our clients to set a vision statement and really emotionally connecting to what they want and why they want it. Because as I said, we're not immune to these thoughts or these feelings. And, you know, once we notice and have that self-awareness and build that self-awareness, we can look at these feelings of guilt, fear, or inner critic and actually say, you know what, I can see you, I can feel you, but I want this. That's why I want it. You're not going to stop me, <laughs> essentially. And I think that that's great. So, Lisa, I'm not sure if there's anything else that you would like to add or if your experience might be slightly different. No, I think Natalie sums it up really good. I think that inner critic is a real powerful thing that a lot of women, myself included at times, um, it comes in and it's it's a protection mechanism really from our, our bodies or our, our brains don't really want us to head down the wrong path. But I think that we've got to remember that we're strong enough and that we've actually got this and we can do it and stop questioning those voices in your head and tell them to go away and, and just get on with it in relation to trying to get to that, or not trying, but getting to that goal that, that that women want to get to. And that vision statement comes in really handy with the coaching that we do. So I have really, really enjoyed our conversation today. Some really interesting points raised, and I think a lot of further discussion. Really looking forward to your upcoming webinar. And of course, if anybody wants to read those five ways to be a holistic woman, that is on the Life Online site. You can jump on and read it at any stage. But thank you both. Thanks, Karen. Thank you so much.